You know, it's a, it's a matter of when, it's not a matter of if, and you want to mm-hmm. be prepared when that time comes. Welcome back to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. In order to build a profitable business, you definitely need to have a solid legal foundation. Otherwise, things like expensive lawsuits, payment disputes, and stolen content can make it harder for you to scale and grow. However, there are so many resources available to help you feel confident about protecting yourself and your business, including templates that you can purchase so that you don't have to hire an attorney to get things set up for you. That being said, I'm excited to introduce today's guest. Yasmin Salem Hamden is a brand protection attorney, business advisor, brand strategist, and an educator in business and entrepreneurship. She is also the founder and CEO of Coaches & Company, a legal startup and media company providing entrepreneurs with the educational resources and tools needed to protect themselves legally in business. Yasmin is awesome. She's so much fun. I love her personality and she provides a lot, a lot, a lot of valuable information that entrepreneurs definitely need to know when it comes to getting your legal ducks in order. So let's go ahead and dive into this episode. Hey, Yasmin, welcome to the show. Hey, Jazzy. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you here. So before we dive in, can you start by breaking down your flawless foundation framework? Yes, absolutely. So when it comes to developing your business's legal foundation, there are really three things that you want to focus on. I consider them the three pillars of your legal foundation, and they are your business entity. So having an LLC or a corporation in place, having your contracts in place. So written agreements, that's the second one. And that third one is your intellectual property, aka your IP, and making sure that you're protecting all of the assets that you're creating within your business. So for a lot of first-time entrepreneurs, it can be really easy to be overly concerned and focused in, okay, how am I going to generate revenue? Which I get it. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, if you're not generating revenue, are you really even a business at that point? Mm -hmm. But this is the foundational component of a solid, protected, profitable business that has longevity is being proactive and having that legal foundation in place. And so those three, those three pillars, they really hold up your business, having the entity in place. And we'll talk about why you want to have all of that and what the purpose of an LLC is, having the written agreements in place with all of your professional relationships internally and externally and then protecting all of those assets that you're creating and the brand that you're building. Yeah, I know we'll dive deeper into all of these things. I get a lot of questions about how people can protect the content that they're creating. So before I guess we get into more detail about all of that, can you share some things that content creators and small business owners could be sued for? Yeah, so content creators and small business owners, um, if you are a small business owner in 2022 and beyond, you are likely creating content. If you're marketing digitally, you're likely creating content. And that means that there are laws that relate to business and interacting with consumers that you've got to abide by. So of course, you've got to be truthful in all of your marketing. You can't be deceiving people out here. And I don't believe that most people are out here trying Mm -hmm. to deceive others. I think most people are trying to just earn an honest living, trying to leverage their own unique skill set, trying to create financial freedom for themselves through entrepreneurship. But we want to make sure that we're being very clear as to the scope of what it is that we're able to support in. So if you are in, for example, the health and wellness space, 
you want to make sure you're being very clear as to what your abilities are. So are you providing mental health treatment or is are you providing any t- type of medical diagnosis? Are you making any health recommendations as it relates to a particular condition? If not, you want to make sure you're being very clear about that as as far as a disclaimer goes and shielding yourself from any liability, but also protecting the consumer, protecting the client or the person purchasing, you know, for example, a course or a digital product from you. So we want to protect mm-hmm. ourselves from liability in that way. And then if you're creating content, regardless of what it's about, we want to make sure that we are only publishing original content and that we don't find ourselves facing infringement situations. Only use content that you have permission to use. So just because you find a photo on the internet or some copy, something written that you really like, doesn't mean you can publish that yourself or that you can use that within your business. You want to make sure you have the right to do so. And that's only by way of permission from the original creator and the owner of that content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super important. I feel like a lot of content creators could accidentally commit one of these, you know, not crime, I guess that might be a harsh word, but yeah, obviously we're not intending to do it. That was one thing I learned when I first started blogging was that you can't just use a photo that you find on the internet and put it on your blog. I thought, you know, if I say, oh, found on this website, (laughs) give it credit that that was okay, but it's actually not. So it's not. I learned a lot about this, yeah, when I first got started. We definitely, we definitely all learn on the journey of entrepreneurship. And those are that's one mm-hmm. of those things that I think people can easily avoid learning that the hard way by way of education yeah. and just getting familiar with those basic foundational issues and parts of protecting yourself legally. So, you know, if you are using music, even if you are uh, on Instagram or on social media or on your website, like you can't just use a song that you don't have the authorization to use in connection with promoting something in your business. Think about if a large corporation wanted to use a song in their ad that they're running, they would need a licensing deal with the owner of the person or the company that has the rights to the use of that song because Mm -hmm. you're leveraging it for profit. And so anytime you're on social media and you're promoting your business, you really want to be conscious of all of the different assets that you're using from a visual standpoint, an audio standpoint, a written standpoint. Do I have the right to use all of this? And the best practice is to just always use original content. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So can you explain the difference between a sole proprietorship and an LLC and a corporation? Yeah. So these are all business entities. And in the U.S., business entities are formed at the state level. So whatever state you're in, you have a secretary of state's office and you can go through that office and they have they surely have a website. Might not be the most user friendly website just because government websites is not. (laughs) Texas is not it either. (laughs) Yes. Texas is not it either. But, you know, I guess they're doing what they can. I guess. (laughs) I don't know. But, you know, it is is through that office that you can form your entity. So you can form an LLC or a corporation. They both serve very similar purposes in that the point of it is to create something that's separate from you, something that's different from you, the individual, that stands apart from you, the individual, and you, the person, separate assets, separate bank accounts, separate tax liability, separate personal liability. And when we form an entity like a corporation or an LLC, that entity stands on its own in that it can enter into contracts, it can take on debt, it can own assets and bank accounts, etc. 
it pays taxes on its own, and it has nothing to do with you, the individual. So we want to shield ourselves from personal liability because in the event that something goes down in our business, they, whoever's trying to make claims against us, if we are our business and our business is us and there's no entity or separation, everything's up for grabs. Your personal assets are up for grabs and vice versa. If something happens in your personal life, your business assets could be up for grabs as well. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people think that nothing will happen to them. (laughs) They're just a small content creator, but it doesn't sound like that's true. Anything can happen. This is the wild west. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's, (laughs) it's not a matter of if you're going to face a legal issue when you're doing business. It's a matter of when it just comes with the territory and you're either going to be prepared and aware and have the knowledge necessary to navigate the situation, have the right contracts in place to navigate those situations, or you'll be a nervous wreck falling apart, not really sure what to do, (laughs) which is why I enjoy, I enjoy doing the work that I do where we're sharing this knowledge and information with other entrepreneurs. Many times they are first time entrepreneurs. They aren't aware of the difference between copyrights and trademarks. They aren't aware of like, where do I get my contracts from? How do I go about doing this? And a lot of the time people don't have the resources financially to invest in a lawyer early on in their business. And so that's what brought about my company, which is called Coaches and Company. And we provide access to these resources and this information so that everybody can protect themselves. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I really, I truly believe that everybody is worthy of protection. Every business is worthy of protection. So long as you are out here trying to serve others and enhance the lives or enhance the businesses of other people, Uh, Just because you can't afford to invest $5,000 or $10,000 plus in hiring a law firm to render those services for you and help you get all those things in order, I still want you to have access to it. You still deserve to have access to that. So yeah, Yeah, it's it's really all about, you know, it's a a matter of when, it's not a matter of if, and you want to be prepared when that time comes. Yeah. So something else along those lines that people always ask me is when should they go ahead and form an LLC? Like, if they're just getting started with their digital product business or starting influencing on social media, at what point can they say, okay, it's time? Yeah. So I would suggest the best practice is to form your LLC before any money changes hands. So before you are accepting payment for services or for digital products, or before you're hiring someone to render services for you within your business, I would form the entity then if you're able to, just because that is a great milestone. Like, okay, this is when we officially began doing business and all of the business that we're about to do is under this umbrella and it's tied to this business bank account. It's also a great way to maintain clean financial records for tax purposes. So yeah, if you're able to do it and a lot of the time to form it in your secretary of state, you just file the paperwork and pay a fee. It's a couple hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. From there, you can get your IRS, uh, or excuse me, your EIN, your employer identification number from the IRS website. And that's for free. So if they're trying to get you to pay for it on whatever website you're on, you're on the wrong website, go to the (laughs) IRS website, get the EIN. And with those two pieces of information, your entity formation documents for the LLC or the corporation, and the uh, EIN number from the IRS, you can open that business bank account and be begin operating as a separate entity. Yeah, yeah, I agree. As soon as I found out that I could be personally held liable for anything that happened with my business, oh yeah, I was like, okay, I need to register like ASAP. Exactly. So I'm a big fan yeah. of just doing it from the very beginning. It doesn't hurt anything, so why not? But it I feel like a lot of yeah. people say, oh, wait till you're making money, and that's just not some people do. The case. Yeah. yeah, and if if that. 
is what someone decides to do. You know, they just need to be aware of the risks that that carries Mm -hmm. in that time between when you are right now and when you actually end up forming the entity. If anything happens, you know, you are personally liable or you can be held personally liable. Your personal assets could be accessible um, in terms of damages if anybody's trying to make claims against you for that. So yeah, it's, there is a certain level of risk associated with doing business. And depending Mm -hmm. on what you're doing, of course, it varies. Maybe there is a very high level of risk if you're, you know, in a certain area of business. And if you're in another type of industry or another area of business, maybe it's a very small level of risk. But regardless, uh, I like, like I said, I like to have the clean, (laughs) the clean, distinct break. Like this is when business began. And then from there, all business activity can take place under that entity. Yeah, makes sense. So at what point do you move from an LLC to a corporation? Does that have more to do with where you're at financially in the business? Yeah. So it's not necessarily that the progression is we start with an LLC and then we eventually become a corporation. It is a tax consideration. One. Two, corporations have been around for some time. LLCs are actually a relatively new invention, if you will, like that LLCs haven't always been around. So corporations require a lot of formal compliance. There are a lot of formalities related to maintaining ownership of a corporation. There are, you know, corporate formalities associated with that records that need to be kept different practices that need to be held in order to maintain a corporation. An LLC offers you all of the perks of a corporation that limited liability protection, the separate entity Mm -hmm. that stands on its own. And you can make those same tax elections to receive the same benefits of a corporate status. But an LLC doesn't have all of those corporate formalities attached to it. So LLCs are really great for small business owners because they're easy to maintain. The key here, and of course, everything varies from situation to situation, but generally speaking, the key here is that you maintain that separation. So Mm -hmm. don't commingle your funds. You know, just because you file the LLC paperwork at your Secretary of State's office and then you get your EIN. And then you open your business checking account, but you still have your business revenue dropping into your personal account, or you're paying your personal cell phone bill out of your business, you're shopping at Sephora out of your business account, you're paying your, you know, your business expenses out of your personal account. Like that doesn't, that shows if a court were to look at that, they're going to say, well, this person's treating it all as one and the same. So we're Mm going to treat it all as one and the same when we don't want that to be the case. So the, the key here is regardless of what entity you go with. You really want to make sure that you're maintaining separation and you're actually treating it as a separate entity. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Get a business account ASAP. (laughs) ASAP. That's it. Yeah. So we've talked about liability a little bit. At what stage do you recommend someone purchase liability insurance for their business? That really depends on your personal preferences. Some people are just really big on having insurance in all areas of their life which Mm -hmm. I think is a good practice. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I guess it's the financial, incurring the financial expense of that. But having insurance, it's one of those things that you'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it, right? Another consideration is what is the level of risk associated with the type of work you're doing? You know, if you are in, you know, the medical field and you are a practicing chiropractor and you're physically handling people's bodies, you know, they're going to have some sort of insurance in place because it's just necessary, the nature Mm -hmm. of that. If you are in the health and wellness space where you're not really providing a medical treatment, but you're still advising as it relates to diet, 
Maybe you're providing resources as it relates to physical activity. You know, it can be a good idea because you're dealing with very personal matters as it relates to your clients or your students. Mm -hmm. Same with money and financial, personal finance, financial advising. If you're educating in the field of investments and more, you know, you, it can be helpful to have that in the event that something does go south, but you know, it's, it comes down to it being a personal preference and also you weighing yeah. what are the actual risks. Yeah. In my line of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. So you mentioned intellectual property earlier. Can you explain what that is and then how we can protect the content that we create? Yes. So intellectual property are creations of the mind. So the law provides rights to those creators of different brands and different pieces of content. So two types of intellectual property are trademarks and copyrights. Trademarks are source identifiers. They're identifying the source of products or services that are being sold. So you think the label that's on the package, the brand name, the company name, the course name, the podcast name, the slogan or tagline, the logo. So what is consumer facing? What is identifying the source of this offer, this service, this product that's being sold? And then inside of that package, the contents of that package and quite literally the content that you're publishing, visual content, audio content, written content. So any original work of art or authorship falls under copyright assets. So when you own an asset, an intellectual property asset, you have the exclusive rights to the use of it. So when I take a photo, when I write a blog, when I record an, a podcast episode, I'm creating assets within my business. And this is a, a big shift in perspective that I desire for all entrepreneurs and any content yeah. creator out here is start viewing all of your content creation as asset creation, because that's just facts. That is the fact of the Love matter that. is every time yeah. you're creating content, you are creating assets and you're potentially adding to the value of your business and brand. So here we want to be mindful of how our content is being used. And so if we're selling, for example, a digital product that delivers some of our content, some of the resources we've developed or the content that we've created, written, audio, visual, whatever it might be, maybe it's in the format of videos and video trainings or video modules and lessons. Maybe it's in the format of an ebook, a PDF, a workbook within the course, whatever it, form it's taking. You want to make sure that in the terms and conditions of that course or in the delivery of that service, it's very clearly outlining your rights to the intellectual property and that it's very clearly outlining what permission you're providing that buyer. What permission are you providing the purchaser of your course? the client of your services, maybe you are an influencer and you're creating content for a brand. What permission are you? Because you're the creator of that content. Mm -hmm. Unless it's in writing that you're creating it to transfer ownership of it to them, you still retain ownership of it. And that's something to be mindful of as a business owner. If you're hiring others to create content for you, even if you paid them to create it, even if you told them exactly what to create, if they created it, they are the owner of that content. And when yeah. you own content... You have the right to repurpose it, reproduce it, publish it, profit from it, sell it to others, license it to others. So we really want to be mindful when we're creating assets. What terms are we attaching to the use and to the access of this content? So when I'm selling a course, I want to make sure my terms and conditions are rock solid mm -hmm. and airtight in terms of 
what access does the buyer have to this content? How long do they have access to it? Can they share it with others? How can they use it? Is it exclusive to XYZ? So we really want to make sure we're communicating that in writing in order to protect that content in a paid setting. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like everything we create is automatically copyrighted. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So then where does registering the copyright come in? So you can register a copyright with the U.S. Copyright Office. Some people choose to do this as a means of an extra layer of protection. So it's not required to register your copyright at the U.S. Copyright Office. As soon as you create it, you have ownership in it. That's good to know. Yeah. So you don't have to register each and every piece. But if it is something that you are generating a substantial portion of your revenue through it, if you are publishing it, for example, if you write a book and you're having translated into different languages or it's going to be a, I guess, a capstone mm-hmm. within the ecosystem of like your, your signature business. product. Yeah, exactly. Your signature product or something that you intend to maintain, maintain longevity. Mm-hmm. That might be worthwhile. If it's something that you've already experienced a lot of infringement as it relates to that, it might make sense for you to register yeah. that. That way you have... In the event that you need to pursue some sort of legal claim against an infringer, you have the rights clearly laid out and granted and a stamp of approval by the U.S. government and the U.S. Copyright Office. So that Mm -hmm. is very helpful in the event that you need to pursue a legal claim. But you don't have to do that Mm -hmm. with a trademark, with with a brand name or a company name, podcast name, course name, etc. You don't have to register it in order to claim rights in it. But your rights could be limited in the event that somebody else starts using it or if they register it and your registration isn't in the USPTO or the US Patent and Trademark Office's database, so it's not there to block somebody else's registration, you might be limited geographically in the use of your trademark if they register it federally. And then you, for example, you know, you're in your state and you're limited, your rights to the use of that trademark are limited to that state. But the problem with that is we're not doing business with just the people in our state anymore. We're doing business with people all over the country, you know, so it only makes sense for us to protect and secure our rights nationally if we're marketing our services or our products nationally. Yeah. So I guess at what point should you trademark your business in the name of your products? Is it as soon as you create them or should you wait until you see, you know, some revenue coming in behind it? Yeah. So it depends. There's no one right time to register your Mm -hmm. trademark, but before you begin investing in the branding and the marketing and all the promotional materials, building your website, if you have a physical product, like the packaging and all of that, like before you make all of those investments in the development of your brand based on a name, you definitely want to make sure you're at least doing your due diligence and making sure that you're not going to be infringing on anybody else, right? So make sure you're doing that trademark clearance search. You can do a preliminary one for free on the USPTO website. So it's USPTO.gov. And if you go to trademarks on their website, you'll see that there's a trademark electronic search system and you can do a search there. So I highly recommend that before launching any brand or any new trademark, naming your podcast, selecting a slogan or a tagline, Do your due diligence and be proactive. My favorite saying as it relates to this is the time to fix the hole in the roof is when the sun is shining, not when (laughs) the rain is coming down. You know, so you want to be proactive. You want to be proactive. Mm -hmm. Being proactive is always less expensive and less time consuming than waiting to be reactive where you're going to have to 
shell out to do the damage control a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And you've mentioned this word a couple of times. And for anyone who doesn't know what it means, can you explain what infringement is? And then what do we do if someone copies our work and we find out? Yes. So when you are marketing your services or marketing your products or marketing your brand online and you use somebody else's intellectual property without their permission in a way that is to further your own commercial interests. So if I'm using somebody else's audio recording or if I'm using somebody else's photo or if I'm using somebody else's writing and I'm using that in a commercial way, uh, to promote my business, to prom- promote my services, that is considered infringement. If I use it without their authorization commercially, that is considered infringement. And so we want to avoid that uh, because they can have claims against you. They can come after you for damages, especially if you were profiting using their stuff. Just like you would be mm-hmm. upset, right? Like yeah. if you found out someone oh, was for using sure. your... hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you found out somebody was yeah. using your photos or your blog posts or if they took the your whole website and just started selling the same thing you like you'd be pissed and not just that you would be the victim of infringement so you would have claims against them and anything that they profited you would be able to make claims for that right because they they wouldn't have done that had they not infringed on your right so we yeah. want to avoid being the infringer absolutely and we also want to prevent having our rights infringed on so sometimes you know people are out here and we can't stop them from they want to do bad, they're going to do bad, right? But we want to make sure that we are also being proactive and taking preventative measures and making it very clear. Like if I'm using a trademark, if I have a slogan that I want, I want to claim exclusive rights to this, I need to put others on notice of that. So I'm going to use the small TM symbol. We don't want to use the circled R because that's reserved for registered trademarks. But if you have a brand name that you're launching or a slogan or the name of a course or the name of a podcast, You can, when you publish it or when you promote it online, you can always put the small TM next to it to put others on notice that this is not a generic term that everyone can just use. You know, this is not a, this is a brand and an asset that I'm claiming and that we're carving out in our business. Mm -hmm. When it comes to content, again, it comes down to those terms and conditions. So when you're providing access to your website, for example, there are terms and conditions on the website, you know, and on the website, we make it clear in those terms and conditions, we make it clear content on this website is owned by an entity. And this is the entity. If you're selling a digital product, same thing, you want to make it very clear in the terms and conditions. And then you also want to put those, you know, a short notice within any content. So maybe in the ebook, you know, in the front of the ebook, the back of the ebook, if it's a training or something in the training, you want to make it very clear. This is, this is, content that is owned by an entity and the entity is obviously you the owner and the creator of that yeah students ask me this all the time you know how can they protect their content especially digital products ebooks or like anyone can download and copy it and while yes technically that is true but it definitely shouldn't be a reason you don't create a product oh yes just make sure you have systems in place you know you have these legal forms and contracts and everything in place so that if it does happen, you know what to do. Yes. Yeah. You're you're that first person that we described, you know, the confident, ready, prepared to handle and navigate the situation. <laughs> now I am. You know? yeah. yeah, exactly. You don't want to be that other person that's like shaking <laughs> in their boots, don't really know what to do or, or how to go about it. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, I hope that there is not anyone out there. My hope is that nobody ever is 
prevented from creating a digital product or putting that in, out into the world over fear mm-hmm. of somebody copying it or taking the content. Yeah. You have to move that past that my fear. Heart. Yes. You have to move past but that don't fear. Do like, it. don't let that stop you. Yeah. Don't let that mm-hmm. stop you. Like, you have to continue moving. And even if there's a great likelihood that you'll experience somebody infringing on your intellectual property, it's just the name of the game, you know, but we yeah. just got to be ready to handle it. We navigate the situation and we continue moving forward. And it's fine. Exactly. Yeah. I remember the first time someone copied my entire blog post and put it on a different website. Yeah. <laughs> I was like heartbroken. I remember I sent it to my boyfriend, sent it to my family. I was like, how can they do this to me? (laughs) And then at this point now, it's happened so many times. I'm like, whatever. I'll send them that notice and they'll take it down and it's fine. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) that's it. That's it. We got to move on. You have got to hear this. So I've had the same. I've had the same experience. Like my whole website copy just ripped off entirely. (laughs) It's crazy. Blog posts ripped off. Yeah. Social media captions ripped off. And I think most entrepreneurs, if you've been marketing online for some time, you'll have similar stories. Have you seen those Bitcoin mm-hmm. scammers, uh, the fake profiles? No. You haven't seen those? Or maybe I oh haven't. My I just haven't really noticed. <laughs> Girl. Okay. Everybody needs to be aware of this. So people are out here getting <laughs> hacked, first of all. People are out here getting hacked where they will yeah. ask you. So so I had a friend, uh, her profile messaged me and was like, hey, Yasmin, I'm trying to get into, I'm trying to do, I don't even know what they said. Uh, it's going to send you a code. Mm-hmm. Can you send it to me? And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, sus. is I felt like I felt like she got bit by the zombie. <laughs> I was like, OK, she's hilarious. a goner. Yeah, she's <laughs> a goner. But so they were trying to hack into my account, too. So it's like they're that's what they do. And then they oh, start wow. promoting. Yeah. So on her profile, they were promoting like this person, Laura, helped me create income for oh, myself. My gosh. Through, and they show the screenshots. Yeah. And then they show yep. the screenshots. So literally there's a. There's another practice what, where they'll create fake profiles using other people's images. So other professionals that have obviously like have photos online. And there's this one that keeps getting me and they keep using my photos. And the most hilarious part, yeah, it's very annoying. But the most hilarious part is this whole story they created for my character. Like, <laughs> I'm like from London originally, but I'm living in Dubai and I'm like teaching oh people gosh. about Bitcoin and I don't know what. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'll take the Dubai part. Like I would love to live there. It sounds, sounds luxurious as hell, but like <laughs> this is such bold, like I don't even know what to say yeah. about this. Oh, wow. It's like, should you be flattered? Like, thank you. I'm honored that you think I'm, I I'm flattered, <laughs> but I'm also, yeah, but I'm also terrified. Like yeah, I, I was telling my husband, like, I feel like one day, because it's been for the past probably two years, it's been happening consistently where there's just all these profiles will pop up mm-hmm. randomly so and they're using my photos. Yeah. And I told my husband one day we're going to be traveling the world and I'm going to see somebody randomly and then be like, you're that person that scammed me on the internet. Like they remember what <laughs> I look like. Like I'm terrified of that actually. Oh like they're out here scamming that using our terrible. pictures. They are. That's, you know that's that just show the nature catfish. of the That's what I just thought of. Yep. You know that show Catfish where they find, you know, romantic. Yep, they're out here catfishing. We need someone to do a show like that, but find these people behind this fake profile. Yes, <laughs> exactly. But I don't know. It it's seems like these profiles are just coming down as quickly as they go up. Yeah, I almost feel like it's just a bunch of robots. Bots. And just yes, like, yeah. I feel like it has, it has to, to be, be, right? It's almost yeah. creepier to think that it's a person. Yeah, there's no way. It. It no has to be, there. Right? Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. I really hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. 
crazy. Well, back to our discussion now. <laughs> yes. So they're out here using our so images. Funny. They're out here using yeah. images. And that is considered copyright infringement to use somebody <laughs> else's photos. Yeah. Wow. Insane. So what's <laughs> happening out here, people? Um, so what types of contracts should we have in place when working with our team as well as when selling digital products and services? And I know this is like your specialty. You can talk about the contracts that you have in your shop. Yeah, we have legal contract templates that we uh, sell to our community that are to be used with uh, your customers and your clients. So externally, anytime you're working with somebody outside of your company, selling a product, selling a service, hosting a workshop or a masterclass, maybe you're doing corporate training. So maybe you're a consultant, you're going into these corporate settings and you're providing trainings. You need contracts with all of these different purchasers, people that are doing business with you that you're selling services to or selling products to. Uh, so you want to make sure that you have that in writing. And then internally, you want the same. So anytime you're working with somebody inside your business, whether it's an employee or an independent contractor, you want to make sure, or if you have a business partner, for example, you want to make sure that you have the terms of that relationship in writing. So bottom line is any professional relationship that you're entering into, whether it's a customer even visitors of your website, if they're coming to your website and they're opting into a free resource or your email list and they're providing you with that personal information, the law says that you have to have a privacy policy posted that states how you're handling their personal data. Mm -hmm. So personal, so uh, people coming to your website, your clients, your customers, uh, students in your course, participants of your group program participants in your workshop or a masterclass that you might be hosting, having all of the terms of those relationships in writing, very clear as to your intellectual property, very clear as to your refund policy, very clean, clear as to your communications policy, delivery, jurisdiction. So if there is a dispute that comes up, like where are we settling this? You want to make sure that's where you live. You don't want to get dragged to where they're at, you know, especially yeah. if they're in another state. So you want to make sure that you are creating that home court advantage for yourself and for your business by having those airtight agreements in place with anyone that's paying you, anybody mm -hmm. that's receiving a product or a service from you. Make sure you have the right disclaimers in those contracts and the right language around warranty and limiting your liability. And that way you can be proactive as opposed to waiting, you know, to be reactive. Um, and then internally mm -hmm. with all of your you have an associate or um, some sort of co-coach or somebody else that's helping deliver the service that you sell, your administrative support, your tech support, your marketing team, anybody that's providing services within your company or as an employee, having the terms of those relationships in writing so that you can make sure it is as productive and as professional and as satisfying to everybody as possible. Yeah. So it sounds like you need contracts for everything. You need <laughs> I'm contracts so glad for that you made it super easy for us to just use your templates and, you know, kind of plug and play makes it so yeah. much easier. And I'm super grateful for that. <laughs> oh, I love to hear it. I'm so happy to hear that. It yeah. is, it really is just such a necessity. It just, mm -hmm. it comes with the territory. It's so necessary. Yeah. And it can really be an intimidating endeavor sometimes. Oh, yeah. so for a lot of people, for they're sure. like, they hear legal and they're just like, a lawyer? I got to pay a law firm? Mm -hmm. Thousands of dollars? Exactly. Like, yeah. I don't even know what they're talking about. But I really pride myself and my company on making legal stuff easy to understand. Our mission is to deliver yeah. this information and these resources in a way that are is digestible, 
is easy to apply within your business, isn't intimidating or confusing. We're free of all of that weird legalese. Like there's none of that weird legal Mm -hmm. mumbo jumbo in our contracts (laughs) or in any of our educational content. So yeah, you know, we're trying to make, I don't know if we can make legal sexy, but we're trying to make it a little easier. (laughs) You're doing it. Make it a little fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. We already have enough to worry about when you're starting a business. So that just takes the guesswork out, which is super helpful. So yeah, I'll definitely include those links in the show notes too. So one of the last questions I always ask my guests is what is the most important lesson you've learned when it comes to entrepreneurship that you wish you had learned sooner? Okay, so many, first of all, (laughs) but the most important, I would say, I feel like it's the same lesson that I've had to learn in life is and Mm -hmm. in becoming a mother is like, ask for help, like accept, ask for and accept the help, help of others. And while when you are early on in your entrepreneurial journey, a lot of the time you're going to be required to be scrappy. And you have to make Mm -hmm. it happen and you're going to be the one making it happen. But I want to challenge you and I wish I had been challenged in this sooner because eventually it came about is instead of asking, how can I make this happen? Start asking yourself, who can I find to help me make this happen? Because a lot of the time the answer is who it's not how. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time somebody else can do it a lot faster and a lot easier and a lot better and that will free you up to do the things that only you can do and that you uniquely can deliver on and that, mm-hmm. you know, our, your energy is best invested in. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good tip. I feel like at least for me, <laughs> I'll speak for myself here. Mm-hmm. When I started my business, I wanted to do everything because I knew I could do it yeah. the right way, yeah. the way I wanted it done. And so oh, yeah. yeah, I didn't want to outsource anything. And at this point now I'm like, okay, well, I'm so busy. (laughs) If someone could do this for me and do it way better and way faster, then yes, please come help me. So it it definitely takes time to get to that point probably. It does. Yeah, it definitely does. For me, I think early on, the first person I hired was my bookkeeping service. It was a a bookkeeper Mm -hmm. uh, just because I was like, I have no business being in these books. You know, (laughs) like there's no reason for me to be in here. But my marketing was working, so I knew that money was coming in, and I knew somebody needed to have eyes on that, and so that was important. It's the same thing in the personal life. You know, like I said, ever since becoming a mom, like, really, I I don't know that I ever really needed to ask anyone for help until I became pregnant. And then I was like, all right, I need to start getting, I need to accept help. And that was the same, around the same time that my business was really growing, and I needed to accept help there. And I found that when I Mm -hmm. opened myself up to be supported by those around me, personally and professionally that everything advanced in a much better way. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Well, this has been such a great episode. You answered all of my questions, all the questions that my listeners have asked me. So thank you again for coming you on. You came ready with the questions. It <laughs> was just you, rapid. Fi- I was like, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> ready. So where can listeners find you? Because I'm sure they're going to want to reach out to you. Yes, I hang out on Instagram. So you can find us on Instagram at Coaches and Company. Our website is coachesandcompany.com. And I'm also on Instagram. My name is a bit long, but I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. So you can connect with me there. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so send me a message. Let me know that you're here from the podcast. And where else am I hanging out these days? I'm trying to be on Twitter, but honestly, I just can't. It's too much. I'm trying to be on, I'm trying to be on LinkedIn. I'm like, all right, this is too much. It's I'm barely (laughs) on Instagram. If I'm being honest, it's just, um, Twitter has been fun. I need to get on Twitter. Are you on there? 
I have like a personal one that I created in college probably yeah. like so long ago. Yeah. I don't have one for the business. There's no way I can dedicate myself to creating content That's on there. Lot. But I love to go on there and watch like what's happening. That's what I find news, myself see what's doing. trending. So yeah. yeah. That's what I find myself <laughs> doing. Apparently you can schedule tweets. So maybe it could be a, a branch of one the of business these days. too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I really appreciate you having me, Jazzy. Of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks for tuning in to the First Hustle Then Brunch podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or learned something new, I'd love if you subscribed and left us a review. Another way to support the podcast is to take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your Instagram story. Tag me at First Hustle Then Brunch so I can repost it. Thank you so much for supporting the show and I'll see you in the next episode.